You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. It is the weekend mailbag here on the Locked On Bengals podcast, but before we get there, there was a really fun debate that Ace and Zim hosted on YouTube last night. James, you were part of it. Former Locked On Bengals host Joe Goodberry was there. Tony Pike was there. Willie Anderson was there. John Sheeran was there. They had a real star-studded lineup. I'm sure I've left, I, I know for sure that I've left some guys out that were participants in that panel, but it was really fun. And I think Team Chase won the debate. I think Team Chase was a stronger team. I, I had a little empathy, a little sympathy for, for Team Sewell. They could have really used a, <laughs> a strong orator on the side of Team Sewell. I was, I was thinking as I was watching, man, I could be there just playing devil's advocate just, just to push back on these Team Chase guys a little bit because I think anybody watching that probably came away with the idea that it's not as close as I think it actually is in real life, but... One of the big arguments that you guys made on Team Chase last night, James, was that you're going to get a really good player at 38. 38 is still a very premium pick, and the way this board looks to be shaking out, there should be a good lineman there. One guy that I no longer think is in the conversation for 38 based on how he tested on Thursday is Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. He was feared to have short arms. And he does kind of have short arms, but 33 and a half inches is kind of the, the minimum before teams, I think, really start to ding you at tackle for arm length. And he hit 33 and a half and he had a great 40. He had good agility scores, especially for, you know, good height, good weight. He had good strength. He had good jumps. It all turns out that it's a 9.73 RAS, 97th percentile athlete. You probably ding him a little bit because he's at a pro day and not at a combine. But even if he's an 80th percentile athlete with the tape that he has and the mean streak he plays with, I don't think that Tevin Jenkins makes it out of the first round at this point. And it's a bummer, right? Because you want as many of those guys to fall as possible. But that's okay because there's so many. There's so many. And some offensive linemen were going to go in the first round, are going to get drafted. Um, outside of the top guys that we've talked about and Sewell and Slater, Darisol. And so he's one of those guys. And you're right. I think some of the speculation had him dropping down some boards. But, hey, he delivered. And that's uh, good for him. And he'll probably – I look at the back end of that first round. There are some some teams that are going to need offensive linemen, and I expect some to go there. And yet, don't fret, Bengals fans, because I still team chase all the way think that there's going to be plenty of offense, offensive linemen available at 38 when, they, uh, when they're on the clock and picking in the second round. Yeah, I mean, I went through all of the simulators, maybe not all of them, three of the major simulators for mock drafts last night. I know they're not the be-all, end-all, but in every single one, there were at least four guys on the offensive line that I would feel good about picking at 38. And maybe I'm more generous than some of you listening. Maybe you have higher standards for some of the guys, but I was hoping... I think that for for the Bengals, the best case scenario for Tevin Jenkins would be that he was like, you know, 33 and and a quarter, 33 inch arms and teams were looking at him as a guard. And then maybe there's a chance that he slips into the top of the second round and the Bengals can draft him. And he's a plug and play right guard 
And in a pinch, he can play some right tackle for you too. But I think that instead, he will not be one of the options in the second round. I, I agree, though. I think that there will still be good options and some really good arguments outside of that for, for team chase. I think coming out of the Bengals.com discussion, Jeff Hobson talked to former Bengals coach Kevin Coyle, who's now down at LSU. He knows Joe Burrow really well. And Coyle just has glowing things to say about Jamar Chase. And he's talking about toughness. He's saying uh, great hands, about as good as anybody he's ever seen. I think Kevin Coyle obviously would be familiar with A.J. Green when he's making that statement. And Chad Johnson. Yeah, I mean, he was there for both of them. He was with the Bengals for that early stint from 2001 to 2011. Came back from 2016 to 2017. Has been at LSU a couple times now. He's he's down there now, of course, and just just praising the strength, the the use the the use of body position, the tenaciousness of attacking the football in the air, and you know even though he's not huge and obviously he's you know six feet tall, the strength is is incredibly obvious on tape, and and the idea that you know teams have a real Sophie's choice when they're trying to de- trying to decide, do we press him? Because there's plenty of tape of him beating NFL quarters, corners in press coverage. He's just too strong for it. He's going to make you probably lose the rep right away if you try to press him and you don't get a good jam on him. And then there's plenty of, plenty of uh, reps when teams are playing off coverage. And everyone who said he was slow, I, I just don't see it because when he gets that off coverage, he just eats up ground. And yes, he has some refinement to do in his route running. There's a great Kyle Shanahan quote that resurfaced today about why guys aren't great route runners coming out of school because they just don't face very much man. And so he can he can refine some things like getting onto the toes of defenders a little bit better, selling the the outside, leaning outside a little bit more before breaking posts inside, for example. But that's things that a lot of young guys have to do. And his athletic traits will translate in the NFL and, and the, the praise from coach Coyle, I think really highlights some of these things. No doubt about it. I was actually exchanging texts with someone from LSU earlier today. And they said that he's, and it's pretty damn obvious with the way he tested, but he's been working his tail off during this time. So even though he was an opt out in 2020, I wouldn't be shocked if he's improved in those areas, right? In the route running areas, obviously he's strong, he's fast, he's big, uh, but we saw the the physical traits, but we, at least I didn't get to see a ton, uh, you know, of the route stuff and you only see so much, but you do wonder how much better is he now than he was uh, a year and a half ago, uh, essentially, or a year and a few months ago when he's 19 and lighting up the SEC. Well, now he's 21 and you certainly hope that he's made some strides in those areas despite not playing and not being in in there. But yeah, you're right. When you see what Coyle says about him, I just, I love it. I love the fact that he talks about blocking. He'll block, he'll knock the crap out of a safety. That's the type of thing, man, that this era of Bengals needs, right? That physical wide receiver that's going to do that, but he's also going to catch a 70-yarder. And and Chase can do both. And I, I love it. Yeah, the, the refinement will certainly come, I think, and no matter where he lands, and I think it's pretty obvious that James and I prefer Chase. I think I less so than James. <laughs> for, for me, it's still really close. 
and, and I, I, I will not be profoundly disappointed if they draft Penesul. I think there's still a path to success if they do draft Penesul. But, but my preference at this point, and we've talked about this plenty and we'll continue to talk about it because, well, that's what April's for, is I, I think that the draft plays better if you go wide receiver where the premium wide receivers are. That's just the, where I think the depth of the draft is. If Diami Brown, Diami Brown, excuse me, was was drafted 34th overall and you knew that, and like Rondell Moore was the top receiver at 38, would you still love the idea of Sewell at five? Oh, I'm, I'm not saying I love the idea of Sewell at five. I'm saying that like I can see a path to success because I don't think Diami Brown is going 34. I think he's likely a mid-second round guy. But but yeah, the, the problem with this receiver class is that most of the guys that are available from the Bengals' second pick on are not the kind of receivers the Bengals need unless they're ready to get really creative and and really lean into that Rams-style, everybody's-a-slot-receiver offense. Mm-hmm. But but I don't know if that's really like the perfect fit for Joe. I think that that he could function in that world for sure, but I just, I just would like to see them get a vertical threat for him. Instead of everything being horizontal – and, you know, you get T. Higgins sometimes on some schemed open stuff on posts or on corner routes because you take advantage of cover four and, and you take that safety out of the play or whatever with your route combination. That That's all well and good. But having a, a dynamic receiver who's going to be able to consistently beat man coverage, which I think Jamar Chase will be able to do, it really changes things, especially on the outside. And there are great slot receivers in this class, but I don't have a ton of faith in these five, nine guys to consistently play on their perimeter. But we have a lot of questions in the mailbag, James. We should really get to them. I think everything is going to be lightning round this week. We'll get into your yeah, questions baby. coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL draft, well, it's 20-something days away, depending on when you're listening to this, which means that you need to get on the, on the action and you need to get ready for NFL draft prop bets. Plus, the final four is here and you can make some money whether you're betting on Gonzaga or Mick Cronin's UCLA Bruins. Get off the sidelines. Get in on the action. BetOnline.ag. You hear us talk about it all the time. Jake uses it. I use it. You should, too. You're watching these games anyway. Might as well make a little money while you're doing it. So go to BetOnline.ag right now and sign up today. And when you do, use promo code Locked On. You're going to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So again, BetOnline.ag promo code Locked On, and when you make your first deposit, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. James, we went long in that first segment, which means the lightning round that premiered last week is going to be most of today's mailbag, unless we really feel like we have to get a word in after the other host has given his answer to a question, but we're going to start with Kevin Jacobson at K Jacobson on Twitter. He's kind of sad about losing a preseason game, James, not because the game matters, but because a lot of times those are the games that kids from less wealthy families can attend. Do you think the NFL cares? Do you think that the Bengals or, or, or the league will, will do anything to make access easier for those fans who maybe their only experience at a stadium was in the preseason? Well, a couple of things. Let's start with the the added game in the regular season. So you have one less preseason game. There's no making that up. But as far as this year, Kevin, there's only going to be two preseason games uh, or one preseason home game for the Bengals. So that's 
that's tough in and of itself when you're down to three preseason games total and, and you lose two of them. I get that because you normally have the two. I think what the Bengals would say, what the NFL would probably say is this is rotating. Sometimes that 17th game that is at Paul Brown Stadium this year is going to be on the road. And who knows, maybe it's more likely than not that the Bengals end up having two of the three preseason games. But it, it is a it's a good point, and it's certainly an issue. And honestly, it gets into the the ticket price cost and something. It, it's almost a, re, a bigger issue, Jake, because to me, you didn't have many fans NFL-wise as a whole at stadiums last year, and rightfully so because of COVID. Well, people probably got comfortable sitting down in their slippers, on their couches, and the viewing experience is better than ever. The TV deal that they just signed, right? It's funding everything because of all the angles and the replay and the commentary and everything that you get, the red zone, if you watch red zone. And, and so to me, not just the Bengals, but the league, and Kevin's right here, they need to do as much as they can to make it special, the fan experience when you go to games, and that includes trying to get as many young fans involved as as possible, which, you know, obviously, hell, when I was 15 to 17 to, to 22 to 23, there's no way in hell I was affording, uh, you know, the ability to go to a Bengals game. There's just no way. And so I, I totally understand it. And that's uh, that's an issue. But I think really just getting fans all the way back long term, I think that's going to be something that the NFL has to tackle. Next question is from JJ at UDN. So UDN Bengals freak. I like it. It seems like the the consensus is Chase at five now. What would you have to see at Sewell's Pro Day to make him become the consensus pick over Chase? I I actually don't think there's anything that Penny Sewell can do at his Pro Day that will, will sway Team Chase. And for me, well, I'm probably a part of Team Chase, not not so emphatically as I explained earlier, than than James is on Team Chase or Zim is on Team Chase. I just don't think there's there's really anything that that Penne can do because I think there's an expectation that he's gonna test like a freak. I, I think that if he does test like a freak, it just kind of confirms it. Whereas with Jamar Chase, there were some concerns about his athleticism, and then he went out and out tested them. So. I mean, maybe if Penny Sewell was Mekhi Becton's size and then still put up a perfect three cone, a perfect 40, a perfect short shuttle and had good jumps, you know, maybe that would move some people that, that really care about those things, you know, 35 inch arms at 356.6 and, and then moving really well. But, but I don't think he's going to be quite that. I think he's going to be, you know, six 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 seven you know, 320 to 330, you know, in the 34 and a half plus arm length, maybe 35. I think he is actually quite long, uh, despite some weird scouting reports I've read that have length concerns. And I think he's going to test great. I just don't think that it really matters because nothing we see at his pro day is going to answer the rawness or refinement questions. And that's where most of the questions for Sewell come from. And if he had played last year, and he had shown that his technique had improved and that he wasn't getting out over his toes and lunging and losing his balance a little bit and relying on those physical traits quite as much as he did when he was just 19 years old. 
maybe maybe that changes things, but you're not going to learn that at a pro day. So I think for anybody that's made up their mind that they think Chase is the guy, I, I don't know that there's anything that Sewell is going to do at his pro day unless you're expecting him to not test great. And we say this all the time, don't double count testing. We expect Sewell to test great, and when he does, that should be taken as confirmation. Next question comes from Cincy Bengals fan at Bengals fan 1144. He's talking about Todd McShay's mock draft here, James. He has the Bengals taking Chase at five and then Jalen Mayfield, the tackle from Michigan, who, by the way, didn't test well. And by the way, I don't think is a tackle in the NFL, given his arm length concerns at 38. He also has Leatherwood, Cosme, Barmore and Basham available at 38. I think I would go a different route, James. What route would you take? Probably Sam Cosme there. And, you know, maybe because there are a ton of linemen, he's right, available when they take Mayfield. One, I think the Bengals would trade down in this scenario if they could from 38 to 44, 45, pick up an extra fourth or fifth rounder. That being said, I think if I had to do like a big board, it would probably be like Cosme, Basham, then Leatherwood or Barmore, Barmore, Leatherwood, and then Mayfield. And and I might be a little off on that because I think even with the testing, I could see Frank Pollock looking at Mayfield on tape and him being that that mauler and being able to just run over people and say, hey, I can get a lot out of him. And so I, I do wonder there, but that's probably how I would, would see it. So Mayfield would be towards the bottom. I would have Cosme first, followed by... I think Basham, then Leatherwood, then Barmore, or Barmore, then Leatherwood. What about you? I know it's a lightning round, but I want your take. Yeah, this one's really close because Cosby is just such a fantastic athlete, but I think he does have that same length concern. So he would have to really develop in terms of, just like Sewell, in terms of technique. He got by on athleticism at Texas. He, he doesn't have a ton of power. The way Sewell does, he's really getting by more on finesse at the position right now. And so you'd be asking him to switch positions from left tackle, probably to right guard. Doesn't really have experience there as far as I know. And and I might be missing something from early in his Texas career, but I think he's been a left tackle at Texas the entire time he's been there. And he's generally been really good there. Uh, there. There is a big part of me that really likes Leatherwood here because of his experience at right guard. And his experience at left tackle. And so I I find myself thinking about Leatherwood also tested great athletically, but has the length that makes me really confident in his eventual transition to tackle. If you can get him coached up, I think he has a higher ceiling than Cosme. And again, a lot of that is because of length. So I can see that being really close. And ahead of Mayfield, I definitely have both defensive players, Barmore and Basham. But really good question, I think. And I I certainly, out of that five, have Mayfield last. So I would not have done what Todd McShay did. Last question of this round, James, comes from Cincinnati Sports with Strawberry Ice at Jeff A. Trenopole on Twitter. If the Bengals knock the draft out of the park and considering what they've already done in free agency, do you think... The Bengals are a playoff team in 2021. They'd have to really, 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 really knock it out of the park. And I don't mean just out of Great American Ballpark. That bleeping thing needs to go into the Ohio, you know, near Newport. I mean, it might have to hit the levee 
Jake if if they're gonna make a playoff push. And and you look, regardless, they're gonna need so many things to go right. But I'm gonna steal a line from you. The range of outcomes, of course, if they hit it out of the park in draft a star at five, and then a, another really, really good starter that contributes the same way T. Higgins did and and has a, a couple more depth pieces in the draft that contribute right away. There's a shot, but a lot needs to go right for them to make the playoffs next season after winning just six games in two seasons. We've been telling you about Built Bar for months. It's the best tasting protein bar on the planet, bar none. It's it's my go-to each and every day, whether it's midday and I need a snack, after workouts, it doesn't matter. Built Bar is where I go because they have low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber bars, and they're all covered in 100% chocolate. And you've heard us talk about Built Bar madness now for about the past month or so at BuiltBar.com or on Twitter, at Bar underscore Built. Well, they've crowned a champion. Did Jake's Coconut Brownie Chunk win? Or did Cookie Dough Chunk take it down? You have to check it out right now, either on Twitter or at BuiltBar.com. And heck, go to BuiltBar.com right now and see who won. And also, when you check out, because you're going to look at these protein bars and be like, man, James and Jake are right. I got to try some of these things. So when you're checking out at BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. All right, Jake, we're about to go into the lightning, lightning version of the lightning round. Bert Savant on Twitter asks, what's your favorite Bengals offseason move so far? And what are your thoughts on trading back and still landing Penny Sewell with the trade back at number eight with the Panthers? Well, I will say my favorite Bengals offseason move so far is the one that I think improved the team the most. And that is Riley Reef, the only clear upgrade that I think they've really signed. I think Trey Hendrickson is a great move. I think that it reduces the fall off from Carl Lawson as much as they could have really hoped for given the free agent options. So Trey Hendrickson, fine move. I think that the corners, fine moves. Mike Hilton, I like what he brings at slot corner. I think that that actually is an upgrade there as well, despite how well Mackenzie Alexander played. I mean, I thought Mackenzie Alexander was a little bit worse than Dark Wesenard, but I think... I think it's easily Riley Reef because there's a clear upgrade there at, at right tackle. And even if he has to play right guard, I think that's a clear upgrade as well. Although I will say this, 2020 was one of, if not Riley Reef's best pass blocking season. So I think it's fair to expect a little bit of regression there. That being said, still probably almost certainly better than what Bobby Hart would be in 2021. And thoughts on trading back with the Panthers and still drafting Sewell. I think if they're going to draft Sewell, that is the ideal way to do it. But I think we've talked earlier about why it just, it makes a whole lot of sense to take chase at five. I think if they do trade back, then it, that removes the chase option. Almost certainly it would have to be a haul. It would have to involve a future first round pick and uh, a couple of other picks. If, if I wanted to go back to eight, quite frankly, because the Panthers would be coming up for a quarterback and, and those are rich trades. Our next question comes from DJ Campbell at DJC27OSU. He wants to know if Trey Turner was the guy that Steve Radicevich was talking about when he said there were offensive linemen still out there that had name value but didn't look very good on tape. Certainly. 100%. I think that was probably one of them that they were like, ooh, five-time Pro Bowler on the market. 
And then they popped on that 2020 tape and it wasn't just, oh, this guy's hurt. It was more concerning than that. And for it, to me, it's not just that they probably called and said, hey, you know, we're still willing to bring you in. And I'm sure Trey Turner's gotten calls, but not at the money that he's hoping to get. And and that's the thing here is, you know, he's probably hoping that there's an injury or that a team doesn't get the guy they're hoping to get in the draft. And he can get a little more closer to the number he's asking for. And uh, clearly the Bengals not willing to go there. So that's uh, that's my thought. But yeah, absolutely. I think Trey Turner's in that that ballpark of player that, yeah, big name, but the game didn't back it up in 2020 and the Bengals aren't going to overpay for what he did in the past. Next question comes from Kentucky Nepenthes. We got a, uh, a flower fan here. Linebacker hasn't been addressed yet in free agency, setting the stage for the young core to get a lot of playing time. What linebacker on the current roster do you expect to take the biggest leap forward and why? Well, I said before the draft that I thought Logan Wilson, given his advanced age and experience in, in college, was going to come in and, and be ready perhaps quickly or hopefully get ready quickly. But you go back and look at the kind of defense that they played at Wyoming, and he wasn't asked to do a whole lot that NFL defenses ask of a young linebacker. So I think that there will be a big mental leap for him as the game slows down and he still has the physical tools that you need to be an effective linebacker in the NFL. I think, though, that all the young guys have a chance to continue to get better. Even Jermaine Pratt, who I think is the biggest roller coaster out of all these guys, I think he could get better. I think Akeem Davis Gaither uh, can come into his own a little bit as the game slows down for him. But I would go with the guy that uh, we were highest on in the draft. And and I think the, the coaching staff is highest on, and that's Logan Wilson, because I think that it can just come together for him mentally. And, and if it clicks, then he can be a really solid player. That being said, though, I am a little skeptical about this group. I think there's good athleticism there. And I think that this is a pretty big year to see if their attempts at rehauling the overhauling the the linebacker room remaking the linebacker room are going to work out next question comes from chad blackburn at blackburn 22c and he's looking for us to pair up players with restaurants in cincinnati james he says burrow is obviously the precinct bobby hart was gold star and i don't think that's very fair to gold star what would t higgins joe mixon and Penny Sewell and Jamar Chase. What restaurants would those guys be? Hold on a damn second. First off, put some respect on Gold Star's name. Don't you ever, ever, ever disrespect Gold Star there. I love Gold Star. And yeah, I get it. Skyline gets all the love and I love Skyline too. But Gold Star is a very, very serviceable starter. And I don't think Bobby Hart is that. As for this question, first, Chad, thank you for this. Let's start with T. Higgins. T. Higgins reminds me of a a consistent, always there for you. You know what you're going to get. Reliable dude that's even keeled, even if he has three touchdowns or no touchdowns. And to me, that's the holy grail. Downtown on the banks, it's a perfect place to go to before Bengals games, before Reds games, opening days today as we record this. And you know what you're getting. Good food, great drinks, full bar, usually great company, when, you know, in the pre-COVID era in a, a great patio. So consistency from Holy Grail. That's what T. Higgins is to me. Joe Mixon, well, he's got a little gravy cheese fries in him. You ever heard of Pleasant Ridge Chili? I'm using all local spots, by the way. We're going really local here. Pleasant Ridge Chili, Jake, is uh, obviously on Pleasant Ridge, Montgomery Road. 
they have gravy cheese fries. It sounds scary. It sounds ridiculous. And it's ridiculously good and amazing. And it's uh, exactly what, what Joe Mixon is, right? Because some of the stuff he does celebration-wise, a little ridiculous, a little out there with his personality. But the dude can ball when it comes down to it. Penny Sewell, I'm going to go with another place on Montgomery Road, but way down the other way in Norwood, Gordo's. Maybe the best burger in town, Gordo's. And I just, I think that, I don't know if it's just because Penny's a giant man and he could crush the hangover burger, which comes with sausage and egg and a bunch of stuff on it that I usually get. Oh my God. Um, but that that's who I, I like there, Penny Sewell and Gordo's. And last but not least, my guy, Jamar Chase. Well, my favorite food is Italian. I'm rolling with Soto because he's my favorite player in this class. Jamar Chase taking the crown with Soto. Man, I'm hungry now. Next question comes from Hannah Rowland at Han Rowland on Twitter. What are your thoughts on Steven Radicevic's comments regarding depth at the offensive line positions in the draft? Do you think this might indicate they are looking elsewhere in round one? There's certainly a lot of smoke there. I mean, Trey Wingo today, I guess, telling us the opposite. He apparently has a Bengals coach source that says Joe Burrow is not lobbying for Jamar Chase. I think the organization might be heading in that direction, though. I think that a week ago, when this question comes up, I thought they were picking Penny Sewell. And I still, a big part of me thinks that it's all smoke and they're going to pick Penny Sewell when it's all said and done. I am beginning to wear down in that belief a little bit and be swayed that there are some tendencies that suggest they will go Jamar Chase. And exactly what you're pointing out here, what Steve said is part of it. But at the same time, he knows who he's talking to. He knows that he's speaking publicly and you never know what's what's real. You never know what's a lie. It's lying season. The draft is lying season. And so it's really, <laughs> really hard to truly get a feel for it until Dave Lapham tells us the day before the draft or the day of the draft who exactly it is the Bengals are going to pick. Next question comes from Ben Grant at Ben double underscore Grant on Twitter. I don't have a feel at all. For what Atlanta is thinking, says Ben. None of the mocks are convincing. What do you think the chances are they take either Chase or Sewell? And if they do, isn't that a good thing? Potentially preventing the Bengals fan base civil <laughs> war that we saw play out last night? Oh, man. Is it a good thing? Well, it depends. Which one are they taking? If, if they're taking Penny Sewell, then it's a great thing. <laughs> if they take Jamar Chase, heck no. No. Um I, ben, I want both to be there because, at one, I'm curious to see what the Bengals are going to do in this situation and uh, and, and how it plays out because this decision obviously impacts their future. Now, what are the odds Atlanta takes either of these guys? To me, if they are what we think they are, right, if either one's a generational talent or both are generational, ta ge generational talents, then Atlanta's certainly going to consider both of them. They can use a Jamar Chase as Julio Jones is pushing his mid-30s now, right? And Calvin Ridley doesn't have a new deal yet. I assume they'll try to keep him, but you never know. But Chase certainly fits. So does Kyle Pitts, obviously. And so does a generational offensive lineman, even though they're not necessarily in need of a tackle right now. You could play Sewell inside. So I think the odds are decent. I just don't think the Falcons like Sewell, and a lot of these NFL teams don't like Sewell as much as the Bengals do, necessarily. I could see Chase going at four. I don't really see Sewell going at four. And I don't think you mentioned uh, a quarterback 
I think that even though they did weird sure. things with Matt Ryan's deal, there's a very strong chance that they just take a quarterback, especially if it's Trey Lance, and sit him behind Matt Ryan for a year or two and, and let him cook. And Or Justin Fields. If, if the, yeah. the 49ers really are just going to pass on Fields, which to me doesn't make any sense, maybe I'm crazy. You know, I'm not going to question Kyle Shanahan, I guess. But Justin Fields in that dome, I just yeah, let him learn for a year, and then he can be a track star with those guys, a big big track star that can throw it really, really far. Next question comes from D Harris. Dan, the man 8069 asks if somehow Sewell or chase are not available at five, what should the Bengals do trade back at all costs? Not at all costs, but, but probably trade back because I believe Malik, right. When he says they're not going to pick Kyle Pitts, And if those two guys are not available, that means that there are three quarterbacks. Apparently, if you include Mac Jones, that teams want and somebody's going to want to come up and get that pick and you're going to be able to get a haul. I would be absolutely shocked if this is a scenario that comes to fruition on draft night, at least right now. We're still a month away. So I guess, you know, we could have some bong videos coming out. Last question of the mailbag, James (laughs) Austin Coleman at Austin Coleman five on Twitter, given the chase versus Sewell debate and not necessarily comparing these players would you rather have a prime Chad Johnson on this team or a prime Willie Anderson on this team? Oh, see, Willie Anderson's the better player, right? Had more played at a higher level longer. But Chad at his peak is the best receiver on the planet in a, in, a, in a league, in my eyes, in a league that had Randy Moss. He was in Oakland at the time, so you can't count it. T.O. had a couple down years. Chad from 03 to 07 was insane, but he didn't sustain it long enough. So he's not going to be in the hall of fame like Willie Anderson could potentially be. So, so it's tough. Um, I, I probably, probably lean Chad. And the reason I lean Chad is because in this day and age in the NFL, where we're at, all of those things, the explosiveness he brings, I, I think he would just be at a whole nother level than he uh, than he was even during his career, which was obviously very high. That being said, if either of these guys, it's like saying A.J. Green and, and Andrew Whitworth, right? If whoever the Bengals pick at five ends up being the next A.J. Green or ends up being the next Andrew Whitworth or Chad Johnson or Willie Anderson, sign us up all day long because they nailed that pick. The tough thing with this question and just the way that it's presented is that it asks you to decide between two very, very good players as if you can't get any other good players, because this question is asked in relation to the number five pick. So if it's like you can have Chad Johnson and uh, a Levi Jones or Andrew Whitworth and Chris Henry, which of those do you take? You know, if, if you're, if you want to use historical Bengals, because they can still get another really good player in the second round and Chad Johnson, as we all know, wasn't a first round pick. Andrew Whitworth wasn't a first round pick. So in a vacuum to me, this question actually doesn't have anything to do with the draft. It's just saying, which of these guys you think was a better player would be a better fit for this team right now. And, and honestly, I I think I take Willie because he was so damn good for so damn long. I think that he, he goes a long, long way in stabilizing the offensive line. And then you just got to figure out receivers somewhere else. I love Chad. I love Willie and asking me to pick between them really isn't fair. And if you are going to make this a parallel to the draft question, then like you said, James, either one of them 
you're, you're laughing, you're laughing to the bank, you're, you're thrilled. And then you're just hoping that you do get that Andrew Whitworth or Chris Henry or whoever that, that tier of player or Chad Johnson tier of player in the second or third round or wherever you find him, but gets a lot harder and the odds get a lot worse. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back with another mock draft Monday as we're officially in draft month. We'll have Penny Sewell's pro day to talk about by the time we record again. So we'll tell you everything that happened there. We'll tell you if it's moved us and it certainly will not have moved James. And if I'm discippointed, it will not have moved me either, but it'll be worth talking about nonetheless. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day? Have a good one.